Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with, <clears throat> with whom he is pleased. Morning. So it was about the year 2000. I had an opportunity to go up to Maine with my family, uh, and we climbed Mount Katahdin. Uh, it's up there in... Uh, Baxter State Park. Has anybody been up there? Anybody climbed Mount Katahdin? Sally? All right. You haven't climbed it? But, all right. Uh, Mount Katahdin, uh, if you're not aware, it's the northern terminus for the Appalachian Trail. And that was the trail that we, we climbed uh, to the summit that, that day. Um, uh, there's multiple paths, I believe, that, that take you up the mountain. But we really wanted to do the AT. And uh, it took about 10 hours up and up and down. Uh, it was a big day of, of hiking. And uh, during, during that day, uh, our group, we got split between those who wanted to go a little bit slower and, and I guess the, the, younger, the younger ones who wanted to kind of speed up the mountain a little bit. And me being, I, I don't know, about sixth grade you know, age, somewhere in there, um, I didn't want to be with my parents because <laughs> they were going too slow. But I also, I had a hard time keeping up with, with my siblings and, and things like that. So we had two groups that, that separated on the trail, and I ended up being alone. I was alone on a mountain in Maine. That sounds like the beginning of a, of a movie or something. Or like, like, I was just, it was, I was by myself, and I'm just like trying to trek up ahead. And I, I knew if I, if I just waited, my parents would eventually catch up to me. But I really wanted to get ahead um, and and be with uh, that that fast group. Uh, so I was I was chugging along on the mountain, and I was I was thirsty. I started wheezing, just big deep breaths. I like I, I couldn't get maybe a short breath. Like I, I couldn't get get my breathing under control. And uh, yeah, my mouth was dry, and I just had this memory of yeah being alone on a mountain in Maine, really thirsty, wondering if I was going to pass out due to the due to the altitude or something like that. Mount Katahdin does go above the tree line. Eventually, I did catch up and got water. You know, it's a happy story. Uh, we we made it to the top, and uh, that's me sitting on the rock next to my sister. Wearing some fancy yellow shorts there. Uh, but yeah, we, we made it up to the top. But it was a cloudy day, so we could not see anything once once we got up there. Uh, so this, this picture is not the day we experienced. 
uh, our day was a super cloudy day. Uh, so I have always put it in my back pocket. Someday I want to climb Mount Katahdin uh, on a nice, pretty, clear day so that I can actually see uh, what we just accomplished. Uh, so there, there are other times I've been super thirsty in my life. Uh, football, I think of when it's you know that August sun and you're running drills and you have your mouth guard, but you're, it's like your mouth is so thirsty. Then you get grass in there and it's just it's ridiculous. And you're like, oh, when is the next water break? Uh, I've seen uh, survival shows where uh, they they take these vines in the jungle. They're called water vines. And they, they cut them with the machete. And if it's clear, then it's good to drink. If it's, if it's cloudy and it's bitter tasting, then it's probably poisonous, they say. Uh, but there's multiple ways to find water in the jungle if you're really thirsty. They're like squeezing water out of moss. Like, like the things that, that you need to do in order to get water. We need water to live. And I saw a study that said most Americans are actually dehydrated. Now, let's see if this is true. Raise your hand if you think you're kind of dehydrated right now. You didn't get enough water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we, and, and the study said that that, that mid-afternoon fatigue, that, like, when we fill the, the mid-afternoon sleepies, uh, mostly that's, that's related to dehydration. And so I need to remember this. In the afternoon, when I'm out and about, one of my favorite drinks is to get a, a black Americano. So maybe instead of reaching for that Americano, I just need that jug of water with me all day. We know what it's like to be thirsty. Of course, we know what it's like to be spiritually thirsty, spiritually dehydrated. And I would argue every human on this planet knows what it's like to be spiritually thirsty. In John 10, Jesus is at the, the Feast of Tabernacles and he uses his, his outdoor voice and he shouts out uh, to the crowd there. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Jesus is the one who, who satisfies our, our spiritual thirst. He, he ends our spiritual drought. He provides the living water that we need to, to refresh our souls, to make us spiritually alive. Jesus ends the curse of spiritual drought. And the Christmas angels were right. His birth is good news for all people everywhere. The birth of Jesus is good news and it causes great joy. And joy is sort of the, the mega theme for today, this Advent Sunday, third Sunday of Advent. And I want to, um, in my opinion, consider, uh, I, I would like to do something unique today. I would like to consider an Old Testament festival that was a joyous festival. And if you bear with me, I think, I think we do kind of round back and it, it does kind of become a, a Christmassy message. But today I want to consider this joyous festival in the life of Israel called the Feast or the Festival of Tabernacles. Sometimes it's called the Festival of Shelters or, or Booths. So here's the story. God redeems Israel out of Egyptian slavery. Okay, we, we look back in time, we look into our, our Bibles, way back in the long story of Israel, God redeems 
Israel. It's an act of grace. He, he pulls them out of Egyptian slavery and he reinstitutes them as a nation. And kind of skipping over some details, but, you know, we, we know that they temporarily lived in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years. And during this time, 40 years, they, they really depended on God. And God gives them the law, a prescribed way of, of how to live and, and worship. And, and God also gives them these festivals to celebrate. He institutes festivals. And the Feast of, of, of Tabernacles, uh, the Festival of, uh, of Tabernacles, it's, it's kind of a, a layered event. Because the first thing is this. On, on one hand, it, it tells the story of this Period when when Israel was in Israel, uh, was in the wilderness, was in the desert. It retells the story of desert life when they sojourned through those forty years and depended on God. So that's that's the first layer. The second layer is that the festival of Tabernacle is also a harvest festival. Now, you and I, we're not super connected to the agricultural cycles as much as what, you know, we, we used to be. We can get strawberries and watermelon and cantaloupe like all year round. And, and uh, actually, a, a side note to this is I hate when it's apple season in Pennsylvania and our stores are filled with apples from like Washington State. I've never, never got that. Why are we shipping apples from the West Coast when we live in Pennsylvania, Adams County is like the apple county of the whole nation. All right, enough about apples. <laughs> Agricultural cycles. It was way more important, way more obvious. The Festival of Tabernacles was a harvest festival. So this is about September-ish uh, during the, the year. Uh, it is time to collect the harvest and then have a week long celebration. It's a reminder that, that God is our provider. It is a time to, to show gratitude to God. He is a provider. He is such a good provider. So let me show you now uh, the Old, Tes Old Testament language uh, behind the festival of, of tabernacles. From Deuteronomy 16. Celebrate the festival of tabernacles for seven days. Okay. Seven-day festival. After you have gathered the produce of your fleshing, threshing floor and your wine press. Again, a harvesting festival. Be joyful at your festival. Interestingly, this is the only festival where God commands the people to be joyful. This is supposed to be fun. This celebration is supposed to be about joy. And also, it's, it's, it's an all-inclusive kind of festival. Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, and, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Rejoice, rejoice, and, and celebrate in God's goodness. From Leviticus 23. On the first day, 
You are to take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters. So that's where the the, the, the tabernacle, the tent, the booth comes into play for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The festival of tabernacles is an identity-forming festival. And if you've been listening, listening to me for a while now, I have said this before. We are story-formed creatures. Story is important. Our narrative is important. God wants them not to have a victim narrative, but a victorious narrative. And it points back to himself. God is a good God. He is a provider. He's a redeemer. Take time to remember this. Later on in, in Israel's history, after a period of, of exile, uh, when, when Cyrus let the, the Jews go back to, to Israel, they're, they're like a return has happened. In Ezra chapter 3, the very first festival that they, they are able to celebrate is tabernacles. The first festival to celebrate after this time of slavery, exile, captivity, it's tabernacles. And then shortly after, in Nehemiah chapter 8, when, all, when, when people are celebrating the, the Feast of Tabernacles, Nehemiah tells us that their joy was very great. Exile, captivity, it's rough. The temple needs to be rebuilt. The nation, the, their identity needs to be restored Nehemiah also chimes in and he says, you know, it's, this is not a time to grieve, folks, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And there's that, that theme word today, joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Exile is brutal, but finding joy in God is needed on the road to healing. It truly is. Real quick, uh, second century Jewish historian uh, Josephus, he regarded this festival as the most sacred and the most important. So in summary, take a week off of work, build some tents in your backyard or on top of your house. Think about God's provisions, offer sacrifices, worship, read the Torah be joy-filled. We got to do this once a year. As a fan of camping, like just to take a week off of work, camp in the backyard or a state park or something like that, and just like worship and barbecue and read the Bible and worship and just hang out, like that sounds awesome. Why don't we do this? <laughs> Let's have a big church-wide camp out in our like a week-long camp out in our green space outside. Who's who's in? And we just worship and read the Bible. <laughs> and be joy-filled. Again, it's it's all about 
joy, the festival of tabernacles. God, you're good. God, you're awesome. You provide. You're a redeemer. You're our God. We worship you. And they did this year after year, or they were supposed to. During Jesus' day, we know in John chapter 7 that, that Jesus participated in the festival of, of tabernacles. And so in John chapter 7, uh, the context is this. This is the autumn before Jesus would be crucified later that spring. Jesus is in town and he's being uh, interrogated by the Pharisees and they're questioning Jesus. And they're like, man, like he is such a good teacher. How is he such a good teacher? How does he speak with such authority? And then Jesus talks about his authority and where it comes from. It comes from God, the father and the Pharisees, their, their minds just can't handle it. They cannot comprehend Jesus. And all of this is happening during the festival of, of tabernacles in John chapter 7. Now, something that, that you need to know is that during Jesus' time, or I should say by the time of Jesus, a, a tradition developed in the festival of, of tabernacles. Each day of the festival, a procession of priests, they would go down to the pool of Siloam. And the people would, would sing psalms and, and psalms and all of that. And, and a priest would fill up a pitcher of, of water. And then they would turn around and carry it through the water gate. And they would go through the city back to the temple complex and up the stairs and all of that. And, and then they would walk around the altar and they would go up the altar steps, the altar of sacrifice. And they would pour this, this water into a bowl. The bowl would actually have like a little hole in the bottom of it. And it would, it would pour out over the altar. On the last day, they would do this seven times. And basically, uh, this tradition that developed, it's, it's dramatizing Isaiah 12.3. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Okay? So you need to see this imagery. This is what they're used to doing during the Festival of Tabernacles, the, the water ceremony. The water ceremony. In John chapter 7, on the last day of the festival, which is the, the biggest day of the festival, like this is, this is the big day here. Jesus stands up in the middle of all of this. Jesus really stirs things up. He stands up. In the crowd with a loud voice, an outdoor voice, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the born from above. The, the new life that comes when, when we believe and we call upon the Lord, the Holy Spirit that, that brings us new life. And so on the last day of tabernacles, when, when it's a time to really dwell upon the thirsty existence of desert life, Jesus stands up and he points to himself and he says, me. And he says, I am the living water. I am the one who satisfies. I am the living water. And this is huge. Come to Jesus and drink. Believe 
And you better believe it. Something spiritual, something supernatural will happen to you. Living waters will flow from your innermost being. The living spirit will burst from within you. Now, John uh, says earlier in his, his gospel account, way back in John chapter 1, he says that Jesus is the word of God who came and dwelt amongst us. Now, that Greek word for dwelt or dwelling, it's, just, it's the same word as tabernacle. The word of God came and tabernacled amongst us. He became human. He lived. And now his spirit will live inside of you. Do you believe? So during this Advent season, we take time to, to slow down and we hear the Christmas story again and again. From Matthew, from Luke, we look at the Old Testament prophecies, we, we slow down and, and we want the, the narrative to continue to shape us, to tell us who God is and what God has been up to in history, what God has done in history. We retell the story of redemption when God became human, he tabernacled amongst us, and he provided a way for us to get out of captivity. So I know right now there's it's it's this season we we can get blue seasonal depression and and I don't want to downplay uh, the, the appropriate ways to to grieve and mourn certainly there's a time and place for that and I and I want to be sensitive to people who struggle with you know mentally emotionally and things like that with sensitivity I say this, Christmas is a time to be joyful. I know it's hard sometimes, but it is a time to look to Jesus, to look to God, the Holy Spirit, and, and worship the God who showed up, the God who tabernacled amongst us. And so in a, in a move of, of worship, you are invited to drop the baggage. You can do it right now if you, if you can. T take that deep breath. Jesus, I give you my baggage. I'm, I'm dropping the fear. I'm dropping the thing that needs to be dropped. And, and we can do this in an in a act of, of worship. You really can. We really can. We can drop the baggage. And I hope you heard and believe this good news today. The most amazing, joyous news that the world has ever heard. It is for everyone, everywhere. The drought is over. In a Middle Eastern town called Bethlehem, God himself tabernacled amongst us. He is the Lord, the Messiah our Savior, the source of living water, was born for us. And where we first meet him, where we first meet him, he's in a manger, a feeding trough turned into a crib, and he's wrapped up in swaddling clothes. And, and it's very possible that the the item that, that Jesus was laying in was cut out of stone. 
that is a possibility. And I can almost imagine that it was used, you know, for, for water, to water the animals. That, that Jesus is laying in an instrument that, that feeds or waters animals. He's here. The curse of the drought is over. We can be spiritually refreshed. We can find our joy in the Lord. And as we'll sing in moments to come, let uh, no more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. The curse is over. Jesus is here. He's alive. Joy to the world.